Hello and welcome to the one and only podcast you need in your life for keeping up with the latest and greatest at Elmwood Park. This is Parkside Chat, where you get the 411 on District 401. I'm your host, Aaron Selmer. For this fourth episode of Parkside Chat, I am delighted to be joined with Elmwood Park High School's Principal Doug Wilds and Assistant Principal Bernhard Wacke and our Athletic Director, Doug Noyes. Alrighty, you three, I would like to start with some introductions. Why don't you tell myself and the guests what your history is, how you ended up here right now in this room? Uh, well, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Doug Wilds. I'm the building principal here of Elmwood Park. This is the start of my fourth year. Um, slightly disappointed. I didn't, uh, didn't get on the podcast until episode four, but I suppose uh, there are some people that might be slightly more important than me. Uh, uh, we won't name names or anything like that, but I, probably uh, maybe next year I should be podcast one. But anyhow. But Doug, if it makes you feel better, you're the first building to get on. Oh, there you go. All right. There you go. Well, I don't want to, you know, hopefully I don't want to upset uh, Mr. Kuznowski, the, the king of the north here. So, <laughs> I, you know, there are certainly more important people in some regards. But uh, anyways, a little bit about myself. I'm, I'm uh, This is my fourth year here as the building principal of, of Elmwood Park. Uh, prior to this, I was a socialized teacher at Addison Trail for, for nine years. Uh, then I was an assistant principal at, at Addison Trail and then also an assistant principal at Willowbrook High School uh, before coming here. So love um, Elmwood Park, have, have fallen in love with this place. It's become family to me. And I'll introduce myself. I am, I am Bernhard Walkie, the assistant principal who just began in July. And um, I am entering my 20th year in education. And before this, I was associate principal at Cristo Rey Jesuit High School in Pilsen. And I also taught there eight years before as an English teacher and department head and dean of students. And um, I taught fourth grade for two years in Cicero. And I'm very happy to be here. I live in nearby Oak Park. And I love the community here in Elmwood Park. I'm honestly disappointed I can't meet the students right away. But I've met some outside the building and introduce myself to some, and uh, talk to a lot of parents on the phone who have been really welcoming and really gracious. So I'm happy to be here. Hi, everybody. My name is Doug Noyes. I'm the Athletic Director and Activities Director here at Elmwood Park High School and for District 401. Um, this is my 29th year in education. I've been here at Elmwood Park for 19 years, um, the last 14 as Athletic Director. Um, I was a dean for one year, and I also uh, taught for four years um, as well in the social studies department and have coached uh, basketball and have coached golf um, as well as an assistant track coach. I came to um, Elmwood Park in 2001-2002 uh, from Harvard, Illinois, um, where I was uh, varsity basketball coach, varsity golf coach um, for, there, uh, for, for that school. Um, grew up in northern Illinois, small town Byron, um, which is uh, out near Rockford. Uh, went to Beloit College uh, in Wisconsin um, and have enjoyed my time in education. I didn't know that about you, Doug. I, prior to me being here, I was in Woodstock. So we, we weren't that far away at right, some point. Right next door. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Harvard Milk Days and then Woodstock with the Groundhog. That's right. Yep. Bill Murray was just back, actually, a couple months ago filming the Super Bowl commercial, if you caught it. Yeah. I did. All right, so I'm going to put you all on the spot real quick. 
if you if you were writing like a travel journal to Elmwood Park, what would be like your number one thing, the number one notation you would want people to hit up or at least know about? And Bernhard, I'm going to give you a little bit like, let's just say surrounding area because you're new. <laughs> who, get, who gets to go first? I, I mean, I get I, I get the layup one of, of restaurant row. I, I mean, you have to you have to hit North Avenue up. Uh, I've I've given uh, uh, I've I've given up a belt loop or two to uh, restaurant row. I've I've uh, put on the, the my my freshman 20, took it off, put it back on each year. To restaurant row, but um, I I I I'm trying to think of, of something else. So I'll I'll turn it over to one of you guys to come up with a, a better one. I'll, I'll I'll stick to one that's not as as easy in a second. Well, I you know I've lived in Oak Park for 14 years now. This is Barenhart, and um, I have to say I love a good grocery store. I can't pass up a really good grocery store. So I think a perfect Saturday morning for me is a drive to Caputo's and getting some really good groceries. Um, and then, you know, maybe hip, hopping over to Chicago and going to the Reuters Bakery and then stopping on the way home to uh, get a Johnny's Beef. That's just a perfect Saturday morning in Elmwood Park for me. I wonder how many other people would say grocery store would be a <laughs> perfect Saturday not morning. many, but <laughs> just some fresh, pro fresh produce and, uh, you know, throwing a couple elbows at the deli counter is just a marvelous morning for me. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if we can top that. So, <laughs> yeah, the obvious for me is is what Mr. Wild said is is the food in Elmwood Park. It's it's fabulous, and and top of the list for me is always Johnny's Beef um, for that, and then Alpine Subs um, is also a, a staple. My wife also grew up in Oak Park, and those have been around for a long time, which she visited. But the one thing I would like to point out is is um, you know, Elmwood Park has done a really good job over the years recognizing their citizens, their famous citizens, and uh, they'll have different streets that'll be commemorative or, or named after people. And, and one of those is an NFL great, um, was an Elmwood Park uh, citizen, was Ray Nitschke. Mm. Um, and so that's a, that's a little tidbit that a lot of people who, who come here, especially as a teacher, don't, don't um, realize. Yeah, great. And I, I, I'll add in the Taste of Elmwood Park is, is a must-do a must event in, in the fall. It's a shame that, or late summer, it's a shame that uh, that, that didn't go on this year. But uh, that's another one where you could just absolutely um, get lost in, in, an, in an amazing uh, weekend of, of Elmwood Park. Uh, participating in the Fourth of July parades as well, those are outstanding events. And, and uh, it's just a two square miles of, of great community and, and tons of food. Um, everywhere you go, the, 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 parks, uh, the park system is small but mighty, and, and you see people out playing bocce and, and doing all that great <laughs> stuff. I continuously get invited, and, and I'm still, even year four, I'm still a little scared to go. Uh, but I, it, it's just a great community. I love it. You know, that's, I was talking to Dr. Gochi a couple of days ago, and yeah, as, as a newcomer to the area too, I kind of picked up on, on this this vast love of bocce that seems to be really in the in the area so that's super unique i love it Alrighty, well thank you for that um i think we should probably dive into some questions now uh maybe our listeners want to find out a little bit more about the high school because that is what we are featuring here today and i mean there's a lot of stuff we can talk about right off the bat and i think mr wilds i'm going to start with you so okay. 
Our listeners may not know, but as a district, we have had huge committee filled with subcommittees on on this, what we call the TLC, (laughs) which is, you know, a little tender love care, but you know, it was the transitional learning committee, community, one committee, committee. Okay. The C and we had different subcategories. And I want to start by talking about the high school as a whole and how you feel like it's been affected. And this is a huge question affected by the pandemic and some of the things that have been great to see in these first couple of weeks of school. Wow, yeah, that is a, a loaded question. I'll try to keep the <laughs> the uh, the answer short. And and for those of you that know me, it, it's darn near impossible for me to ever keep a response short. Um, so the obviously the the high school, much like everybody else, has been drastically affected and, and impacted by by the pandemic. And um, the biggest thing that I believe that we really really suffered from uh, from the spring that we really tried to focus on in the in the, with the TLC committee is our school spirit, our school culture, our commitment to extracurriculars. Um, in the middle of March last year, when, when the pandemic shut everything down, it shut down our sports, our clubs, our programs, our plays, our musicals. Um, any celebration of, of the high school and the community really got, got um, sliced out. And within our TLC committees, we really tried to put a focus uh, of doing everything we can to try to support that. Uh, obviously, it's very, very difficult to, to, with the guidelines and health and safety, et cetera, et cetera, to, to do these things in person. So we're trying everything we can to try to celebrate uh, virtually, try to showcase the school with video tours and, and social media and trying just to do everything we can to celebrate um, uh, the, our school spirit, our school culture, and including our, our extracurriculars, co-curricular activities, just to Make sure the 14, 18 year olds, the young adults of, of our community uh, don't miss out on absolutely everything that is uh, the great things about being a high school student. Yeah, and if you as a listener haven't had a chance, you should check out the district's YouTube channel for or just the regular district website for those virtual tours Doug was just talking about. Uh, they're pretty fantastic. They were done by our own Dave Pereca in-house and uh, they're pretty phenomenal. Any other comments from opening comments from you two? Salvos? <laughs> no. No, I, I think I think Mr. I think Mr. Wild uh, sums it all up. Sounds good. Okay, uh, I feel like that really led in though to a question that I think is probably hot on a lot of people's minds, and that's extracurriculars. You know, so when we take a look at extracurriculars, how they were in the spring, how they stand now. So I think, you know, both athletics and non-athletic extracurricular activities, what does that look like? You know, what can families expect of now and in the spring and going forward? Well, at this time, we have um, three sports that are are going along, uh, golf, uh, girls tennis, and then boys and girls cross country. So with uh, the change and due to the pandemic, and then health um, and safety issues. The state has, you know, readjusted sports and has readjusted different schedules. It's been a task, you know, trying to uh, to get kids involved in sports. Like our traditional fall season would be football, girls volleyball, boys soccer, cross country golf, tennis. Uh, but because of you know just the close contact of some of those other sports, they've had to to move those. So. The IHSA created 
four seasons, a, a fall, a winter, a spring, and then a summer. And those three sports that I mentioned previously, football, girls, uh, volleyball, and boys soccer, they're going to be played in February and March. Um, and starting in February through March and April, and then, and then uh, ending sometime late April or early May. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we get to that point and how it will look. Um, the one thing with sports is that we've been you know, working with our conference and working with our schools. We've had to be very flexible. We've had to be very patient. Uh, one of the other changes is that the schedules have been uh, reduced and we can only play our conference schools or schools within our COVID region, which would be Cook County. And the uh, issue that we've run into with that is twofold. A lot of the conferences within Cook County are only playing um, their conference schools in competitions. And many of the schools in Cook County, that they're a lot bigger than us. And so that's been a, a competitive um, issue that we've had to look at. We're just now starting with our activities and our clubs. All of our activities and clubs are going to be uh, going remotely, um, and we're getting we're pushing that information out to students um, and having uh, sponsors. Um, you know, working with kids and setting up those remote meetings and, and trying to get kids feeling, as Doug said earlier, part of that school spirit and feel that connection. It's going to be different because you can't come in the building and won't be able to have those traditional types of activities or events or fundraisers. Um, but trying to create some type of high school experience that, that has resembled something that we've all known for you know, many, many, many years. Wow. Football in the spring, that might get something, something to experience and get used to. I don't know. Maybe it'll start a new trend. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I hope not. It's going to be pretty cool. <laughs> The, the trick at, at the high school level is with four, four seasons, that there are plenty of states uh, across the nation that, that run four seasons, and, and they run a, a, a full state-sponsored season in, in the summer. This is a new, a new world for us in trying to figure out eligibility, trying to figure out what kids are going to pick and choose clubs and, and their, their non-high school-affiliated programs. There's a lot of stuff that, that goes into that, and... To, to give credit to, to Doug Noyes and all of our coaches and all of our sponsors. And people have no clue how much time, energy, and effort from, from March until today, the constant reading and having to get updates from ISBE, um, IHSA, from the governor's office, from Cook County Health Department, uh, contacting with various athletic directors. There is so much work that goes into trying to organize and figure this stuff out. It is all so fluid and all brand new. And I know that uh, Doug and the coaches and the club sponsors, they have been working their absolute tails off to try to do everything they can to support our, our kids. And, and it's really, really appreciated. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah, that's true. And, and as, as listeners probably don't know, I mean, it was pretty much daily for parts of later summer that Mr. Noise was getting updates um, from the state, and it would be like every morning you would have to look at, at what was changing and what was new. So, yeah, props. <laughs> so, Mr. Wiles, you just mentioned eligibility, which I think is probably a, a good topic to lead into talking about grades a little bit and how has maybe grading, the idea of semester grades, have those been affected by the pandemic? Are those going to be just business as normal? What will that look like for families? 
nothing is is normal uh, <laughs> to, to start. To yeah, uh, nothing is normal. Uh, nothing is typical. We're trying to figure out our new normal and our new typical. Um, with for for many families that had high school students in the spring with the pandemic, um, the state had had given out proclamations that essentially that a student uh, their grade in progress was was frozen essentially from March on and. If they were economically successful in March, they, they were going to continue to have that grade moving forward. Uh, and then if they were, and so on and so forth. And so grades and attendance weren't really a thing in, in the spring. And so this is why we're also part of the reason, one of the reasons we're calling this Remote Learning 2.0, is that now we feel more prepared uh, to give daily uh, instruction, provide weekly instructional activities, provide assessments, provide students feedback, uh, uh, support their 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 teaching and learning uh, with digital tools, um, and and the staff are more comfortable with this environment. So in Remote Learning 2.0, uh, we are going to keep track of students' academic progress. Students are very typical, like they would be in in-person instruction. Their their grades and their student performance are going to fluctuate throughout the the weeks and throughout the months, uh, based upon the concepts and the learning targets and the skills that they're learning, and the staff are going to be able to give them them feedback in the terms of in, in, in what the historical and typical high school experience is. You're going to be giving kids grades and, and letter grades and, and number grades on, on how they're performing. Um, and then that's a, a good way to communicate to students and the families how the kids are progressing, the students are progressing in, in their learning throughout the, the semester. Um, with us moving to a, a from a block schedule last year to a seven period day uh, this year, we were living in sort of a quarter in a semester world with um, our advanced placement courses being year long. Uh, so they were in what's called double blocked. Uh, this year we're, we're simply working in a semester and a full year um, environment. So students grades are going to fluctuate and, and grow and develop and their skills are going to grow and develop uh, throughout the semester. And then, then at uh, the semester time, that's just after winter break. Um, grades will be finalized for the first semester. Some, many classes will end at semester, but then some classes will be year long and they'll just continue on. So they'll get a, a grade, uh, they'll receive a semester one grade, and they'll receive credit for that half a semester of completion, assuming that they were successful in that. And then they'll also uh, continue on with the, the second half of the learning in that subject in, in se second semester then they'll have received two semesters worth of grades. Again, that's assuming that we're, we're talking about a year-long course. The excitement of grades. Right? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, it's what is the hardest part about high school is, is trying to help parents, trying to help students, trying to help staff. Like, what is the purpose of grading? Uh, sure. you know, it's a very, very different feel at the elementary level of a purpose of grading versus high school. Standards-based grading at K-5 is giving giving families the idea of how your student is performing um, individually on a particular learning target, and and you're giving them progress on on that. You're communicating, uh, you know, how are they doing comparatively speaking to their their same grade level peers. At high school level, man, I just want to know if I'm getting an A, B, C, or D. Like <laughs> I don't care about all that other stuff. I just want to know, and that's the the. The trick sometimes is is helping families and students understand. Well, there are things that go into getting that grade, and and it's 
it's your your skill development it's your your understanding of the content it's it's your daily participation it's your your involvement in what's going on um and we're not at the place where we're ready to, to talk about standards-based grading at the high school level but at some point uh, that concept of, of standards-based grading that, that's done at the elementary levels, that makes a lot of sense uh, uh, for high school age uh, instructors. That, that makes sense for them, but there's, there's something that we need to continue to do in translating that for kids, for the students, and, and the families at, at that level. Sounds good. Kind of on the same topic, I guess, with grades and schedules, talking about quarters and semesters. Like, let's focus a little bit more microscopic on the schedules and talk about maybe the daily schedule of what it looks like for a high school student. So, Bernhard, I think I'm going to direct this at you. Um, I know you were around I the knew summer. I'd be on the spot for this one. <laughs> uh, you were around during the summer when when I know the committees helped create this, and maybe just talk us a little bit through what the life of a high school student now looks like. Sure. Um, and Mr. Wilds, please feel free to jump in if I if I if I disseminate any inaccurate information <laughs> um, as I am learning all of this. Uh, but as we've been mentioning before, uh, the state of Illinois requires five hours of instruction. Two point five of it are synchronous, which means live instruction, if you will. And so, <clears throat> what we were able to do is, and again, as I'm understanding this, is we are shifting from a block schedule to a traditional seven period schedule, which I am very familiar with. Um, and so uh, that is good for me. Um, and uh, we went to 40 minute periods. Um, and, and in the fifth period, we have an extra 20 minutes built in for, um, for social emotional learning as well. What I like about this schedule is that we fit all of the periods in. It has a mixture of synchronous and asynchronous learning. And at the beginning of the day, um, our teachers meet every single day to discuss how they're going to prepare for not only the day, but the week and the coming months. And then at the end of the day, there is another block of time um, where it is asynchronous, where students can reach out to any teacher um, that they maybe needed a little one-on-one -on -one time with. And so we have teacher support at the beginning of the day, student support at the end of the day. And I hope students are taking advantage of that um, because it's really a rich resource that we have. Um, and so the, throughout the entire district, too, they have half an hour lunch from 1130 to 12. And so students, you know, they have to report on time. They have to be in their classes. They're even giving a passing period uh, for five minutes. So you can virtually log out of one class and virtually move into the other. So that's kind of how the day is running. And, um, and, you know, and we'll make adjustments as we need to if we can. Um, and so that's kind of how we're doing. So it sounds like students get that extra time at the end of the day. That's really kind of like a, a study hall. They can ask their teachers other questions too yeah, throughout the day. I kind of consider it like an office hours, you know, like student support session. That's kind of what I hope it's hope it's being used as. So if they got stuck throughout the day in any class, they, they, they really don't have an excuse now to say, well, I don't understand it because right. they, they're able to access their teacher every single day, right? Exactly. At the end of the class. Exactly. So we're we're going to use positive language. It's another opportunity for them to get some additional support right. if they need it, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. That works for me. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about... So that, that was, let's say that was uh, just very general. That was, you know, maybe a general education student. What about supports for our students who may fall into the special education or students who need some extra supports, um, even our EL students? 
Any any particular changes? Anything look different for them? So uh, this is an ongoing uh, work in progress in in virtual in digital learning and remote learning versus in person. It, it's it's very very tricky and and we have to do uh, continuously do a, a job of of improving continuously improving with providing accommodation mod modifications and and services for our students with with special needs and and where English is not their primary language. Um, in our scheduling, what we've what we've dedicated is that time uh, at the back end of the day, that asynchronous learning time that we we're just speaking about, uh, from two thirty-five to three fifteen. That's a time where our special ed special education teachers uh, they have a, a caseload of, of of students who they progress monitor. They they check on their goals and and how they're performing in their classrooms, how they're performing on their post-secondary uh, pursuits. They they circle back with them and meet with them there. Uh, in addition, if a student, uh, if a teacher works with that student in a classroom, different than in an elementary school, for example, sometimes a, a special ed teacher has a student on his or her caseload, but they might not actually see that student on, in the day in a classroom because they're, they're teaching a, a subject uh, or a grade level that that student isn't at. And so um, if they do get to see the students during the day with, with Google Meets and, and our Google platform, we can create breakout sessions. We can create parallel Google Meets where uh, we can pull that student out, provide that that accommodation modification, um, and it's it's great opportunities to do um, read alouds, redirection, giving students extended breaks, uh, um, trying to do all of those accommodations that we would typically provide in person. We're trying to do those remotely, and we're trying to come up with new ways to do that every day. Uh, in addition, for EL support, our, our language support, uh, our language learners, uh, similar things where we have our, our co-teacher, uh, Mr. Contreras, who is also one of our EL teachers with Mr. Krofka um, and Ms. Pajena, um, um, are all trying to figure out different ways to support our, our English language learners, not only in the, the classrooms that they teach them in, but also in the classrooms where they're, they're, they're learning uh, another content area, another subject, but they need some language support. So they'll have those parallel Google meetings. They'll have those parallel uh, uh, extensions and breakouts where they're just trying to, again, provide them additional support, do some reteaching strategies. And uh, it, we feel like that is a place where we're, we're getting better and better at it every week. And if you're just tuning in to Parkside Chat for the first time, I encourage you to check out our second episode of this season where I interview our very own Dr. Smith and we talk more about special education and SEL, which actually is a fantastic segue to my next question about social emotional learning in the high school and what we're doing remotely during the pandemic to help support it and what it looks like. Well, I can, I can kind of you know, chime in on that one a little bit. Um, and I, I, you know, I kind of want to first say that I think social emotional learning is part of just good teaching. Mm. And I would argue that it's something that's already been present in our curriculum and present in the classroom. Um, because it's kind of, it's kind of hard to define what it is. Um, but basically, teachers are encouraging students to make good decisions, make healthy life choices, to build community, and um, that happens naturally in a classroom, especially with teachers who want to engage with students. And so 
in a remote environment, this is so much more important because we're challenged with creating community, building relationships, and not only teaching the curriculum, but teaching our students how to make good choices, how to, you know, live their best life. I know that kind of sounds like a cliche, um, but I think it's, it has to be much more intentional in a, in a virtual environment because it's not it's, it happens much more naturally in the classroom. And so um, I don't know if you want to go into a little more depth, to it, Mr. Wilds, but yeah, with 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 the period when when we're in person and we're we're with each other, I, I suppose this is from one of your very first questions. I, I you had asked about what is a big difference, and the extracurriculars was certainly something that I talked a lot about there. But this is a probably one. If that was one A, this is probably one B. Um, there is so much that you gain as a human being with your interactions with with your peers not only the the peers that are similar to you in in your beliefs and values and, and cultural and ethnic upbringing et cetera et cetera but those that, that are different than you and um, we were we struggled with that part and and the kids having that connection with each other uh, in remote learning 1.0 in the spring and so we really talked about that and trying to find a way to to embed some daily time where kids could reflect on their own learning, reflect on themselves as, as individuals, reflect on themselves and grow as people, uh, but then also find virtual opportunities to connect with with those around them, students and, and, and peers that they generally uh, know some things about uh, because they, they're classmates with them, but things that they don't know about their upbringing, their background, getting to know kids on a personal level, um, having the students tell their story, having room to tell their story, uh, having staff having that, that space to tell their story. Those things happen uh, uh, in building when you're in person. They happen during passing periods and, and before and after class and in those quiet times during the class period where you're just trying to find a ways to connect with each other. And so it's hard to do that in virtual and in, in a virtual setting. So we created that SEL period. Um, Eventually, what we do want to get to is not only getting to know each other and getting to know our stories and sharing our, our, our experiences with one another, but we also want to give an opportunity for, for students and, and staff when we're ready to start tackling some of the, the major issues of equity and social injustice and, and all of these really important political, economic, and social uh, things that are going on in, in our lives. and, and 14 to 18 year olds are, are, are amazing young adults and they are Agreed. striving and, and, and just, they're, they're just so eager to try to learn and figure this stuff out and question and challenge and push and grow. And giving them that opportunity uh, during the day is, is just an, an awesome opportunity uh, for us and, and we can't wait. And, and the hope for us is yes, it's a small 20 minute period every day uh, but we believe that at some point, once we, we get into the rhythm of this throughout the year, uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to bring out better, better conversations, lively conversations about knowledge of self and, and others that is just going to make the community even stronger. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure for a lot of our students, too, it offers that outlet, that just kind of that emotional health throughout the day to talk to their peers about something that's not education necessarily. You for know. sure. For yeah. sure. Exactly. Okay, I let's change topics a little bit. Most people haven't been able to enter the high school. 
for obvious reasons, but there has been some cosmetic changes that have taken place inside because of the pandemic and because of our health and safety guidelines. And I was wondering if you would just kind of talk about some of those and what changes, you know, we've seen take place inside for those of us who, who come in. Mr. Norris, you want to talk a little bit about some of the, um, some of the updates to the athletic facilities? Well, and then we'll get into some of the more of the, the um, PPE type of stuff um, in, in a second. Absolutely. The big project that we completed in the spring was the uh, <clears throat> pulling up of the old field turf and then putting down the, the new turf for, you know, football and soccer. And it, it looks, you know, wonderful. It, it looks so good. Yeah. And, you know, we, we were very lucky. We were one of the first, if not the first school to put in uh, field turf. I think it was in 2005. And, you know, now it's pretty common amongst all high schools. And our turf, you know, they would, they would say the, the field turf lasts about, you know, shelf life eight to 10 years. And, and we went on 14. And, you know, we would have it inspected every year and it would pass. And we were, we were real lucky um, to, to get the most out of it. And so, but I was very thankful to our administration, our board, um, to, to, you know, put that on the, the schedule and get that replaced because, um, you know, now with the way things are, who knows, you know, what that, if we would have been able to do that and what that cost would have been. Um, our grounds guys have done a fabulous job um, this summer, Jeremy Mueller and uh, Jason Vicas. Um, they have kept our, our ball fields up. Um, I know that people may look and say, well, why are you keeping your fields going if there's no no games the the problem with that is if we didn't keep them looking good and we didn't groom them that when we are and we will be playing sports at some point <clears throat> it would take a lot of time effort and money to to get them back um into a playing condition so they've they've worked diligently to keep up um with that they took the time and the opportunity to go around the facility and uh groom and to level our uh, running path and that's gonna, that's been a huge benefit for our, our cross country kids as they're running right now. And you know, the, the one thing that you could say that's come out of this, and, and those who've been around Elmwood Park for a while know that our facility is used constantly, you know, with youth programs and, and the lack of space within the community. So that our, our youth football, youth soccer baseball use softball they they depend on our, our grounds and having this time has given them um, the opportunity to make some um, much needed cosmetic uh, improvements and just uh, for uh, updates and 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 trying to get things um, you know ready for when that time comes and hopefully it'll be you know soon spring at least to, to be outside and Get the kids active again. Sounds great. And I know I've worked with you on a couple of projects too to digitize some stuff for our athletes. So during this time, not only do you know our fields and stuff get facelifts, but even some of our our uh, registration processes got a little bit of a facelift. Yeah, you know, it, it we've with the shutdown that occurred in the spring, and Dave Preco was really really helpful at that time, doing our virtual uh, awards banquet. Um, and recognizing our kids and then putting those things on, on the YouTube channel 
working with you, Aaron, has been fabulous. And, and some of the ideas that you've brought, uh, especially when we're trying to track and, and the, the health and wellness of our kids participating right now. And that's, that's key to making sure that a lot of our programs keep running. I know that some people may think it's a little tedious and, and why are we watching, you know, making sure that the kids are, are checking their health before they're coming to school. And talking to certain schools and athletic directors, they've had to shut teams down. They've had to shut down programs just because they weren't able to confidently track kids' health and how many you know they, other kids they've been around. So us, by putting in some of these measures, has you know facilitated um, you know facilitated that for us to try to make sure that we can keep our programs running. And Doug and, and Mr. Josier and, and Mr. Josebelli, and in, in, in addition to the buildings and grounds crew, have, have tried to make sure that the not only the exterior of the building, uh, but also the interior of the building is is ready to go for uh, for for kids and for staff. And you know, the last thing we wanted to do is make make this place look like it it was life without humans. You know, and so we wanted to make sure that grass is cut, the the ball fields are ready, the 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 path is ready. The, everything is ready to go for if if and when we say we're bringing kids back let's do it we don't we're ready to go and um uh in addition with uh, with our buildings and grounds uh mr tom canane and our, our tech group has gotten our our updates for our school we, we have new camera systems being set up and, and put together throughout uh, the building we have new key fobs to, to regulate the, the building and making sure we know and, and safety and security and health is, is in, in order. Um, so key fobs are our keyless entries to, to get in, in and out of the building. Um, we've put up our PPE, our personal protective equipment all over the place. We've got signage uh, for making sure we, we do all of our, our symptoms checks and our, our thermal scanners and our hand sanitizer and our gloves and our masks and and all of the the travel ban list and all this stuff we've got the stickers in the hallways telling people where to go left or right and keeping social distancing <laughs> we've done all of this stuff throughout the summer to get ready for when the kids are are, are going to be back in the building and um for all of you that paid attention we we, we basically made the decision august 5th or, or August 6th, I think, was, was officially the release date that said that we're going to go to fall learning um, throughout the semester. But prior to that, we had a million different scenarios, like every other school district, of what we were going to do. And uh, our crew had to get the, this building uh, ready. And kudos to them. If we, if, when we are coming back, our, our kids and our staff will be absolutely ready. Yeah, and I, you know, I know I mentioned it in a previous episode, but I still like walking down a hall in the library and seeing the plexiglass that has been hung. It's kind of amazing just to see the the little things, but big things that have been done to ensure safety and security inside the building. Without question. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's a unique situation where we have. I mean, usually your major projects are sandwiched into two months or three months over the summer. And yeah, here, we, we, here we are six months in and we, you know, we, we didn't even talk about, we tuck pointed this, this, this spring, like <laughs> tuck pointing is a huge, this, this building is 
massive, nothing but brick, and we had a huge tuck pointing of a piece. We're not talking about. We're talking about PPE equipment and making sure that we've got plexiglass uh, for 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 and, and social distancing well, stickers all over the place. I'll be you know, tuck pointing is in, in, it is important. I don't know how riveting the topic is though. <laughs> oh, man, that's a, another episode for another podcast. Ooh, there we go. Feeling. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mr. Wilds, Mr. Walkie, Mr. Noise. I want to thank you so much for being with me today and to our listeners i want to thank you so much for sticking with us and remember to stay healthy be good citizens and make good choices again i'm your host aaron selmer and this has been parkside chat until next time